Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you. We'll be back here again in Ventus on a fine July evening. Thank you very much. And since we last met, we've had a general election. And out of that, there was no clear result. But with the consequence, that you had a very different kind of government now. I call a partnership government because of the decision of the people and to deal with the decision of the people and the party that I lead, the Gale Party, the most votes and the most seats, under the form of government on its own, we put together a partnership government, which means that we have a program of over 600 commitments uh, with members of the government who are independent parties and we have a supply and confidence agreement with the main opposition party, the Fianna Fáil party and to deal with issues of budgets and appointments uh, of members of the government and so on. This is a program that's predicated on a five-year term, the three budgets to be included in a review at the end of uh, 2018. Lessons to be learned from uh, that recent election are obviously the need for a more caring face from government and to use the fruits of an economy uh, for the benefit of all the people deal with the issues of social injustice, unfairness, uh, inequality, and so on. That's why tomorrow we launch the housing program, which will be launched by the Minister for Housing, Local Government, and, uh, and Planning, uh, to deal with the question of homelessness, of affordable housing, of social housing, and so on. That's why on Wednesday, we have to go back down to the north of the city, uh, an area uh, devastated over, over many years, but in particular in recent years, uh, by, by, um, by those involved in criminal activities. Been down there a few times talking to people in all walks of life, to really committed people and to give an opportunity uh, to their families and to their, and to their children. We hope to address that on uh, Wednesday. Last week we had the paternity benefit bill, which will allow for, for fathers of children to be able to have their benefit not available before, uh, and also through the uh, requirements both in terms of the electoral register uh, and the requirements for the formation of a citizen's assembly to look at the question of the reflection on, on the Eighth Amendment, uh, which is uh, an issue that has been uh, raising, raising uh, some concern and stress for many people for many years. I would say that when you look back at uh, over 16 years from, for me, I think one thing that's really important is that Ireland has looked at itself over the last 100 years in a very different way. And that we appreciate what our flag now stands for. We appreciate the journey and that many of those people went on from the 18, late 1800s right through to 1916 and the center point of, uh, of the Great War. Um, and that these first great big steps towards economic and political and social independence were a time of great trial and tribulation for Ireland. But I think the involvement uh, of everybody in an inclusive way, north and south, gave a comprehensive reflection uh, on the events of 100 years ago and to imagine at the start of the journey for the next 100 years 
find that the amount of publications are uh, new historic uh, information of the stories of families uh, make us all um, wonder, frankly, that we're understanding a far greater way what it was and what it is uh, to be Irish and to have been part of that journey as we know our fathers went down. Also, I think, though, that in, um, in a very real way, uh, when you look at the, at the greater world beyond these shores, you see the uncertainty that exists in many countries and the difficulties that there are politically uh, arising from uh, radicalization, uh, from ultra-leaning politics, right or left, the incidents of San Bernardino and Orlando and uh, Dallas and now in Baton Rouge, um, in Nice, in Paris, in Brussels, in other places around the world where uh, tragic incidents occur almost on a daily basis. Um, uh, the vigilance is so important and uh, the need for a steady hand in terms of the kind of policy and the practice that the country would want to have, the kind of opportunity we would give to our people to understand that if you leave, if you leave, um, if you leave these swathes of cities uh, to their own uh, intent over a period of many years, it's difficult to, to, to uh, appreciate that you're going to have more resources coming from all of these areas, which means that governments have got to reflect on, on using uh, the benefits of rising economies to change social institutions and social inequality to give everybody an opportunity. And that's why um, it's always difficult to, um, to project what might happen in politics. I think few people actually uh, appreciate the scale of the consequence of the referendum in, uh, in the United Kingdom on the question as to whether to stay or whether to leave. As a member of the European Union, we've um, had long negotiations over 50 years of governments to join the European Union, thinking of the economic community of the common market. We've never had a case of where a country uh, has decided to leave. That decision has been taken by the electorate in the United Kingdom, as Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland, uh, and has largely been implemented by the Greek government. It's not the, it's not the decision that I wanted or that we wanted here, but you have to respect the uh, decision made by the electorate. And the government uh, recognized that the decision made was final and is now planning for the future without the United Kingdom being a formal member of the European Union uh, within a few short years. We always knew that this was possible um, and it was difficult to be ready for all of the challenges that arise in consequence. Political events in Britain have moved swiftly since then. The leader has mentioned was that when the Prime Minister decided to take a stand down, that there would be a president in October, that took place in September, and obviously with the withdrawal of, of, uh, of the second candidate for the office of Prime Minister, Theresa May is now elected as the new Prime Minister, the second woman uh, Prime Minister in the history of, of Great Britain, and we wish her every success and congratulations on her, uh, on her election. Um, I spoke to her um, quickly uh, the night just after she was appointed. Obviously, we reflected on the very strong relationship between Ireland and England, the fact that the previous Prime Minister, David Cameron, was having a very understanding of Downing Street. I've been coming back every year since. I've got senior officials from our uh, government to meet with senior officials from the British government on a regular basis to discuss all of these issues. And connections and, and contacts have been at an exceptionally high level over that period. Um, so when I spoke to the new Prime Minister, I think that we should continue to work on developing the relationship between Ireland and Britain, including the peace process, the question of trade between our two countries, 
the fact that we are called by in charge of the book title agreement, which brought about you suffering so many years of prayer and being covered in Northern Ireland. And I've been progressing also the cooperation with the Ireland UK Joint Statement. And I travelled to Berlin last week to talk with Chancellor Merkel and to acquaint her with what our priorities are, which she now fully understands. Uh, obviously, these are the issues of the common travel area, uh, the fact that we have a unique relationship with Great Britain over so many years, but also uh, that we bring a particular relevance to the negotiations which will inevitably take place. It's not as if we were a country far removed from the United Kingdom with a land border, if you like, and it was here. Uh, obviously, it is an issue that's of close you know, consideration for us here. And given the fact that we have 50,000 Irish people aboard the British companies, there are almost a million people who live there, all people who are entitled to vote in this referendum, that means that we have a, a very unique understanding of the, of the British uh, personality and of the British citizen. In fact, when I was over there um, in Liverpool and in Manchester, um, Pregnancy just before the tragic murder of the of the MEP, of the MP, and Buckley in Glasgow. Obviously, there was great concern in various parts of England um, about how the uh, how the referendum would actually go. So I spoke to Chancellor Merkel and I praised her for the fact that we bring a unique perspective to the negotiations that will eventually take place. And I think that we are no surprise that it might be so if we. Uh, New Zealand, of course, is East, uh, which is four people doing one thing the other day, and, and of course, we also have the, the problem of enjoying ourselves on France's national day. Um, this is um, beyond comprehension as to why anybody would do this. Um, and obviously, given all the connections with France over the centuries, uh, it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a deeper blow. And so, uh, having signed the Book of Condolences this morning myself to meet again tomorrow in Dublin. I will uh, welcome President Hollande in Dublin on Thursday, uh, and he's still coming here. Hopefully, he brings myself and the President here to talk about uh, the uh, negotiations which will take place in Copenhagen. I'm sure he's picking me up and everybody when we say that we, we sympathize and offer our deepest sympathies to the families of those who were killed in uh, Nice and offer our, our condolences to the French uh, people. France is a huge country. Of security operation here, these things are almost impossible to deal with. And vigilance is, uh, is of uh, utmost importance. We also attend on Friday at the British Irish Council in Cardiff. British Irish Council is led up by uh, representatives from Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, uh, the Channel Islands, and the Isle of Man. Uh, and obviously, the representatives there reflect on the, uh, the, the ongoing economic situation and security decisions, particularly about uh, the Brexit situation and the consequences of both. So it's fair to say that the stakes have always uh, been higher on this issue for Ireland uh, than for any other EU member state. In fact, many of the economic uh, papers uh, done would indicate that Ireland would suffer, as I say, the most, and Northern Ireland in particular. The reasons are well known. But the economy is of relevant importance, as the trade markets are away. There are 200,000 people in the Republic are dependent for their jobs and exports to Britain, and vice versa from Britain and entering into the Republic. And Northern Ireland and the peace process and the British-Irish relations, these are so important to everybody. The common travel area and our shared land border, the fact that we've had that common travel area since 1922, 
why you rather than go from the floor outside the European Union than go from the floor inside the European Union, that has not been tested and only goes on the inside. Uh, obviously, the role of the UK within the uh, European Union and its strategic value to Ireland in that context would all link very closely together with common ambitions when we have our trade agreements over across, across the Irish Sea to respond to Julian Beef. Obviously, the focus of European issues, we also have a, a, a common agenda on many of the uh, many of the problems that have been discussed and, 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 uh, and, and tried to take care of. So we've, we've been very active throughout the entire process in engaging with the UK government uh, with only the parties outlining our concerns, and we obviously will continue to do that. Um, so our primary goal uh, is now to protect and to advance those interests. We set up a, a, a section in our own Department of Defence over the last year uh, dealing with the part of the world called contingency plans, which are very likely to happen in the end if the decision uh, were to be to leave, which is what happened. So we've got a whole of government contingency framework within which we will continue to track and, and, uh, and uh, develop the uh, key policy issues that will arise in terms of these negotiations. Let me ask the European Minister to give you a perspective from their department point of view and what they see as the challenges arising from this decision, but also the state agencies, how they see uh, the time ahead. Because it is very it's very unclear at the moment as to what the, uh, what the eventual outcome will be. Um, but the key areas are those of trade, uh, energy interconnection, social welfare arrangements that really thousands of people in Ireland draw their attention to England having worked over there as long as they're going to be going abroad. Or vice versa, there are people from Britain living in Ireland who draw attention in the same way. Um, and uh, we have education and research cooperation. These are things that are so important for us. Clearly under the Horizon 2030 programme, Ireland has 500 partnerships approved through the best regional policy and technology, science, energy, research and concerns. Many of these are already being informed and are very kind of backing up under the European Commission and the CCG course. These are serious implications uh, for what it is that we do. Maybe some advantage for Ireland, but clearly these are things that might not have been thought of when we added to vote if we wanted to pass those two very important factors of convergence. Um, so our contingency management arrangements will prioritize the political and strategic issues that are going to arise as we see them uh, uh, for Northern Ireland and the common cause of Ireland, the border, and the, uh, the issues of the, of the Republic of Ireland. So we don't know what the outcome is going to be yet because we don't have a statement of intent as to what the Britain actually wants to do. So the Prime Minister needs Gaul, she deserves time. Uh, to reflect on this, to be consulted with party and, uh, and the commons, but we do need to know um, what is it that Britain actually wants here, what kind of an arrangement is their objective. Is it a Norwegian type arrangement? Is it a Swiss type arrangement? Is it a Canadian type arrangement? Is it a Singaporean type arrangement? Or is it something different? Uh, from our point of view, we have very clear ideas as to what that arrangement should be. Um, but we will obviously scale up our own involvement with the idea of the Gulf Islands and different agencies that we have uh, that are dealing with, um, with Ireland abroad and with Ireland in the UK. This decision is made now by the, by the new directorate and it's going to be followed through uh, and there are implications all over the world as a consequence to that. So uh, I've decided to make some changes myself in the Department of the Future. Uh, so I've taken energy this week, next week, to establish a new cabinet committee with a, with a 
Assistant Secretary General dealing with that, specifically focused on the on Brexit, to oversee the economic impact of what's involved here, uh, and to guide, if you like, the overall government response, including both the economic impact, the negotiation that needs to be able, and the administrations in London and in Belfast. Um, in my own department of Patricia, the existing uh, European Union, British Irish and Northern Ireland, and international divisions will be integrated under that uh, separate Secretary General, just to make sure that we have a, a, a comprehensive and integrated approach to everything that we're doing. We will also increase staffing in our other offices abroad, in London, in Paris, in Berlin, in Rome, uh, and in the offices abroad, uh, and the global world, we need to enhance our trade uh, promotion capacity because we're going to need new markets uh, in order to sell Irish products to different countries. Um, and this is something that we've been after some time, as you be aware, and that was clear the last time we achieved consensus on opening the uh, US market for Irish goods, the Japanese market, the specialized goods in the Chinese market, um, particularly for the Italian baby foods and so on, because of the integrity of what we're going to do here from a, from a grass-based agri sector. And that's a, the agri and food sector is of particular importance in terms of the British market. Um, so that's something that we need to be very careful of. So the Trinity meeting of the European Council, that is the, the heads of government, as it were, meeting of all the candidate countries on the 28th of June. Um, the 28 members of that that have been right to June for the first time in 40 years of April 27th, because the British Prime Minister had the day that Brian had left. And the outcome was, um, was, uh, was clear, given certain things that we didn't actually know what the, what the objective of that meeting would be at that time. So Article 50 of the Treaty, the European Treaties, uh, is the article that triggers uh, a, a country's wish to withdraw. And until that happens, the negotiations to withdraw don't actually commence. So it is a matter for the country that is leaving to trigger that article. And it was agreed at the European Council of the 27th that that would be the way that it would be, and that would be the only legal framework uh, for withdrawal. Um, and the UK must trigger that by notifying the European Council uh, formally that it intends to follow through on the decision of the British people withdraw and not become, not be a member of the European Union once those negotiations would cease. Um, but the Council felt that the triggering of uh, Article 50 should proceed ahead reasonably quickly, uh, not just immediately because we need time to spend time to reflect on this, but that it should not drive too long because believe me, uh, that will cause or would cause um, difficulties for a number of European countries and for financial institutions because they need certainty in the way that they plan. And secondly, the decision was that for the European Commission, of all of the experience of dealing with countries that wish to join the European Union, they will now use that experience for a country that wishes to leave the European Union. But because the Commission is a non-directly elected body of the people, the European Council, that is the heads of state and government, will be responsible for the political oversight of this because they're the people who are actually elected as heads of government to the various electoral systems here in 27. Um, so it was also made very clear that uh, while the European uh, while the European Union 
delusional thinking. Uh, if the issue is that Britain wants access to a single market to determine the possibility of a you know, 40 to 50 million people, then it does not interfere with the freedom of movement of people. And that's a problem and a challenge for Britain, because that is one of the central issues of the recent, uh, of the recent uh, discussion around the referendum. The question of immigration and the limiting by Britain of numbers in the European Union being allowed to go into the, into the UK. And of course, if you look back in the history, you know, over 60 countries gave their independence from the United Kingdom since 1776. When America gave its independence, and Canada, and Australia, and then it tells us things like places like Afghanistan, Nepal, Burma, India, Ceylon, many countries in Africa, the Caribbean, Ireland, Israel, and so on and on. So these are, these are uh, you know, countries which over the years uh, have seen significant numbers of free uh, protection. So in that sense, obviously, uh, we want to we want to, 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 to raise that from that. So at that discussion, I made it perfectly clear uh, that Ireland's priorities were our trading relationship, our common travel area, our open border, our peace process, the maintenance of that, and the people in this country do not want to see a customs force and a hard border, which is had in the past, which would be a very retrograde step, in my view, for the relationships with the North peoples. Um, it would be um, certainly um, a, a, an imposition or an obstacle to the continued you know, flourishing of a peace process, which has been fragile at some times, and some of the issues that we need to be very, be very careful about. Um, the negotiations on the floor when I'm writing to start is a really interesting time. Um, obviously, in a two-year time frame given to the treaties, but there's an extension of that for compatibility if you're making the process here. So, um, and to be realistic about this, I suppose, the, the, the offer has been endorsed by all of the 27 countries and what might take some little time beyond that. Um, in the meantime, it's important to understand that Britain has not left the European Union and won't be, um, won't be an active member until that's all finished. So until then, they pay their dues, they pay their charges, they retain their responsibilities as a full member of the European Union, and their citizens obviously retain the privileges of being, uh, being uh, a member of the European Union. So there is no immediate threat to the free flow of people, of goods, or of services between uh, these two islands. Um, so just to make that very clear. Now, Separate negotiations on the new relationship between the UK and the EU will also have to take place. And it's this second set of negotiations that such crucial questions as the UK's future trading relationship with the EU and the UK is going to concern and where the movement of people to and from the UK from the European Union will actually be addressed. It's expected uh, that they will begin and sort of go in parallel with the Withdrawal negotiations at the moment. Um, our starting point is straightforward. What we want is a stable, prosperous, outward looking UK. That's clearly in our interests, and those of the European Union as a whole. The closer that the UK is to the European Union, the better for all of us, and particularly better for Ireland. In other words, the deal that has been there with some, uh, with some adjustments is possibly as good as we can get. So what we would like to see is that the eventual outcome should be that Britain remains as close to the single market as, as can be. 
obviously there are different views that come out of different policies, that come out of different policies, and there's a single market, there's a digital market, how you impact on it then, what you should have that, that pressure to do this, that, and the other, and the economic taxation or whatever. Even in the general hour, um, there's a uh, population tax of three seconds, and it's five and a half percent. Other countries appear to be moving towards that. I know it's the former chancellor in Britain was talking about bringing um, population tax down to about 15 percent, which is in direct competition with the people of Ireland, where you know we are we're, we're, we're very attractive in many ways for foreign direct investment. I still remember that um, the United Kingdom, England in particular, has been this you know the most attractive location for foreign direct investment in Europe, and second biggest in the world. And these are opportunities that we have to think about because competition, I know it's very important. We are a big country, but we're doing very well in terms of the niche areas that we need to have. Um, obviously, we have to take our own interests. As I said, we will um, take forward these issues of the UK, but in many crucial areas, um, above all, where the EU has the strongest competence, which is trade, will be the ultimate realization of the And trade is going to be where it's going to be at, in particular. Impacts lower unemployment and, and all these things. Here's why I said a couple of years back, years ago, that, that you know, if 60,000 people didn't leave Ireland when the restrictions in Britain, I think it's the common capital area for the it would have an impact of possibly a GDP increase of about 5%. The same implications for a coach, uh, or at least for a strong economic demand. We should remember that the majority of our goods and our service exports to the Euro, to the Euro area, 44%. US 17%, the UK accounts for about 16% of our exports, which is very significant. And that's the world economy and conditions where the hospitality and tourism and investments take place. So while the UK remains a member of the single market, as I said, standard member isn't far from fluid, and overall our trade relations with countries are normal, except the fluctuations in currency, where we go down, but it's, it's, uh, it's more, it's more uh, constant. Currency fluctuations will present some challenges in the short term for small and medium enterprises and for the IT sector in particular. And we've had government decisions about that and indeed European Court decisions in respect of the Daly situation now where the Commissioner and the Commission would be requested to reflect on the difficulties of many farmers and feeders. Enterprise Ireland, as you know, is the company that deals with exports out of Ireland. They're implementing a plan at the moment to help exporters in a short term strategy to be identify other options to help um, manufacturing here with exports abroad. The impact of enterprise on trade in the broader continent is something that will be monitored very closely. And as a former Dr. PDC plan, which already had working for quite some time, a dedicated unit in the Department of Agriculture to work on the relevant sector issues with, with um, beef or dairy or pork or whatever. The ministries and the union will consult with it um, Commission of all affairs and borders between trade and trade and trade and border. So we're, we're very conscious of that, that it must be a long way. Uh, Board V itself is producing practical advice to our SMEs to assist them in dealing with their range of marketing challenges that arise and the management of the volatility that arises in the short term when there are currency fluctuations and so on. Our Minister for Jobs and Enterprise is working to, um, to get this certainty as soon as possible in terms of the trading relationship including the extent of access by the UK to the EU's single market. And that's the central issue in front of us all here. 
Social progress depends on a strong economy. Can't do it unless you have the resources to do these things. We should never take our economy for granted and break into places like uh, everything is beginning to look very well. Certainly, there's a, uh, an unknown and foreseen quantity here that you have to reflect on. Um, obviously, the policies that brought us this far may, because of the decision of our neighbours, um, they might be insufficient to take us to the next stage of the building. We've got to be very cognizant of this, and that's why we need a comprehensive response to the That's why I've said to the producers, Newman and Donnelly, in terms of the finance and public expenditure, to ensure that the upcoming budget in October is shaped by and addresses the challenges resulting from Brexit as a set of national economic response here. And this is a particular reference to the need to strengthen further the competitiveness of our personal, our personal, our corporate tax regimes for mobile investment at this stage, the opportunity to build on the strong public support in Ireland for new memberships, 86% of the last poll, as a magnet for international investors seeking to step into a stability, which is what they look for, the need to protect the strong recoveries in our tourism, in our library business, and other regional employment-intensive sectors in recent years, and the need to further diversify our export markets. We need young people in the to come over and know how and how to work in new markets and concentrate on how to build that strong enterprise. Now, let's say, also recognize the um, outcome that the UK referendum causes particular problems to a neighbor here in uh, Northern Ireland. Now, I fully understand how many Northern Ireland are deeply concerned at the prospect of Northern Ireland being outside of a project, being outside of a project that has delivered so much for political stability, for reconciliation, and for economic prosperity. So we will continue to work urgently and intensively, both with the British government and with the Northern Ireland executive, to see how collectively we can ensure that the gains of the last 20 years or more are fully protected in whatever new arrangements are negotiated. All three administrations, the executive in Northern Ireland, the government, uh, and the British government, uh, share the common objective of wanting to preserve a common travel area 
and an open border on the island of Ireland. We do not want to see a European border running from Dundalk to Kerry. Nobody wants to see that. And while issues of trade are not easy, we do not want to see a hard border between Kerry and Kerry or Dundalk to the I believe that the comment Dr. was supposed to mention way back in the Treaty of Amsterdam, which is the way it gives us, instead of a legal status in Norway, the way we have to explore further. But I do think that both countries are outside the Schengen area, allows us to have that bilateral relation for the preservation of our common cultural area. And Prime Minister Cameron was very strong on this uh, in the lead up to the, to the referendum and afterwards, having mentioned this specifically to Prime Minister Hill when he spoke to him just last week. Now, the North-South Ministerial Council on the 4th of July in Dublin agreed to work together to see that Northern Ireland's interests are protected and that the importance of North-South cooperation is fully recognised in any new arrangement that come about. We outlined 10 specific actions there. We agreed to optimise North-South joint planning and engagement on a whole range of issues arising from the UK result. And these will include a full audit of North-South work programs to establish risks and likely impacts arising from their decisions. Secondly, I believe strongly, the government believes, that there is a need in these circumstances for the widest possible conversation on the implications of the referendum result for Ireland North and South and for North-South relations. And we continue to explore options to achieve this in a way that is non-divisive. I respect fully the rights of every political party to have their views, but way back in the 1980s, when the late Gary Fitzgerald put together for the Northern Forum, all of the parties did not participate in that, and yet it was upheld. And I went back to the end of the Irish Opinions at the end of that process. So we need to ensure that all the voices are heard here, all of the voices, all political parties throughout the island, inside and outside them, as well as civil society, the non-governmental organizations, and business. It's really important that we have everybody agreed and that they've been able to express that view so that there's a first possible uh, argument put up as to why we continue to have an open border in the issues of impact to this north and south. And remember that in the trading sense, uh, the Republic of Ireland is actually more important to the north than vice versa. It's important for Northern Ireland business exporters to be able to test markets and to fly down south as they do in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, uh, in Belgium and Wales. Um, so there will be a broader public consultation, including on an all-Ireland inclusive basis, uh, and an ongoing engagement with other parties in the Oireachtas, as well as the big Brexit uh, stakeholder group, which is already meeting at the same time now. Now, I can't avoid the entry into new politics. Uh, twice in the last three weeks, I was able to call together nine leaders of the opposition parties and opposition, opposition groups in the office and say, here's the, here's the story, here's the information, um, this is what we have today, so do you want to share this? Because in fairness to them, they need to be able to talk to their party leaders and their group leaders in the north so that they understand what Ireland's and what Ireland's position is. So in that sense, it's important to understand that there's a wearing of the green here as well in Ireland's sense, in the Irish of Ireland's sense, and that's something that's equally, uh, equally important. Now, um, let me finish. Of course, we recognize the real challenges that are presented uh, from living in a border region. 
Jim Donegal. I'm in the Hubbard Water County receiving uh, impacts are already being felt. The following week, Sterling is having an impact on consumer spending patterns if you see the community merge already. Small local businesses are often the first to feel the effect of sterling versus euro fluctuations. These are real impacts and, and, and they're being felt as you like. So obviously we want to monitor very carefully local economies and what's happening here in the region and what's ahead. The local enterprise offices, our enterprise agency and regional offices, and the measures contained in our own regional action plan for jobs can be activated to assist local businesses where that's possible. That's why it's important to hear from these businesses so we understand their particular you know, problems, concerns, and anxieties. Um, so I, let me assure you that the preservation of the common travel area and the preservation of the free movement of goods and people and services across these areas remains a top priority for the government and will. I believe that the benefits of these arrangements are also highly valued by the United Kingdom government and the Northern Ireland executive. We have everything from a political and official level of our colleagues in the UK and at the North South Ministerial Council about how best we can work together on these issues in the common health. Um, of course, the closer the future relationship between the UK and the EU, the better for all of us it will be across these areas. Where we can really see what the British Federation is about as we're speaking with the So we remain very deeply committed uh, to ongoing cross-border cooperation and to honouring the commitments that we made as part of last year's Fresh Start Agreement for investing in all island infrastructure. We had these discussions in Stormont, both with the, with the then Prime Minister and myself, and with um, um, Minister Flanagan on our behalf, and uh, many of the other discussions that occurred with all the parties. And that includes our own government's £75 million investment in the A5 project to improve ease of access to the northwest of the island. This, if you like, is a key enabler of our regional ambitions for growing tourism and growing jobs. We're aware of the impact for many reasons of all the crisis today and other consequences we can find occurring from all over the world. So here's an opportunity, uh, I would point to others, to uh, expressing itself in so many ways now to benefit from these terms. And the first phase of this project from New Mills to uh, north of Stabag is scheduled to commence uh, in 2017. And we will work and must work alongside the Northern Ireland Executive and the UK government with the EU institutions to ensure that there is no uncertainty about the availability of EU co-funding for this and for other structural, other infrastructural investments and commitments about the rise from future withdrawal of these This applies also with regard to the projects that are already committed under the Peace and Interreg program. We negotiated those on behalf of, of, of Europe and um, Northern Ireland and the Republic uh, during the first six months of, uh, of uh, as we were working with them under their competency, about a 960 billion uh, euro project. Um, if you have difficulties now and problems beginning to arise, well, when you look at, at programs that we have, so the Minister for Public Affairs will inform is um, from good money up front. If you're going to have a withdrawal from the EU, are you going to have cross-cut funding going to local governments? This is causing many complications and challenges. What do you do in places like this? You can't expect um, that will happen without having that kind of assessment. Um, so those who suggested 
Let me suggest to you the recent campaign that there would be no adverse financial impact arising from a leave vote. Why we have a responsibility to work to ensure that this will be the case and will be seen to be the case where specific assurances will be that there will be no change. And there are some challenges up ahead. And those that are out there to me need to be addressed by the Labour government. The issue will include the commitments that we made uh, to enhance uh, uh, strategic and coherent approaches to development across the Northwest region. As part of the fresh start agreement last year, we agreed to support the regional development work of the Northwest Gateway Initiative involving Derry Gall County Council and Derry City and Strabane District Council. Uh, the government is committed to uh, allocating 2.5 million to the Northwest Development Fund. And we are talking with the chairman of the North Shore College and the Northern Ireland Centre about the actual funding here. So while there's always room to do more, there are some real and practical examples where cross-border cooperation is making a real difference to people's lives, including in this part of the country here. I'm thinking in particular of important initiatives in cross-border medical services. The radiotherapy unit, as you know, is being developed at Alfred Elgin in Derry in joint places between the governments north and south will provide important access to radiotherapy services to people in Donegal and towards the northwest region in general. That should be welcome. Earlier this year, we also saw the introduction of an important new cross-border cardiology service, which will give Donegal patients suffering from the femoral heart attack direct access to services in Alfred Elgin Hospital in Derry. And the All-Island Congenital Heart Disease Clinical Network has been developed as an initiative of the Ministers of Health North and South will also be of benefit to people on the island of Ireland. And that was, uh, that was uh, opening coming uh, recently by the Ministers of Health. So we worked all that hard during this post-referendum period uh, to ensure that the benefits of the peace process in Northern Ireland are preserved and we continue to do that on the Northern Ireland. In important position, given the strength of our relationship with the UK on the one hand, and our connectedness to the EU and the other. We like Ireland's hand at the elbow here. One, one, one arm leads to the other finger, the other arm leads to the other, uh, the other, uh, the other uh, direction leads to the European Union. And obviously, we're on a critical point uh, for both. So we need to preserve that and understand just what Ireland actually brings to these negotiations. So obviously, there are issues that we need to, to look at as well that I've, I've not been told of. Now, we have the Northern Ireland electricity uh, market since 2007. An interconnection between Ireland and Northern Ireland is particularly important to Northern Ireland. It relies on electricity imports from the Republic to make up for insufficient local electricity generation capacity. These are issues that are of great concern. And when the UK leaves the European Union, presumably it will no longer be subject to EU rules on climate change policy and renewables. And outside the European Union, there might be less chance that there will be no payments for fishing or trading in the UK. Obviously, um, if the UK, when, when the UK leaves the European uh, Union, it will no longer be subject to EU regulatory measures to deal with a possible crisis in the case of gas or oil shortages contemplated in the SNI report. So to deal with that, Ireland would then have to consider that it best to provide protection uh, from very unlikely but potentially catastrophic outcomes. Now we're looking unlikely, we need to deal with that. Clearly, uh, then, what we would need uh, the 
it's the same way it's true in the divorce relationship. I understand that. But um, for all times, the divorce is suggested around this for very good reasons in terms of the overall picture of what the future holds. And usually, when you uh, have the privilege of sitting at the, at the European Council's table, you know it's every seven or seven, seven years, and there are many, many problems in the And there are very different views expressed around that table. and so on. 
Reagan model. I could probably give it a 64, I think, on the agenda. And I would end with those. Uh, I would vote on a vocational program to attract people of all orientations. So while it's not been done before, there's all this work, there's all this time to take the course. And let's see what the process looks like. Only I have no idea of planning that. I intend to see that this government implements its program. I don't care about whether I get here first. Thank you very much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.